0: Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church, or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you, and enjoy. So, I'm going to start with this prayer from the Lectio 365 this morning. I, I thought it was a really brilliant prayer. So, Father, restore us today. We stand at the crossroads and ask for the ancient paths. Root us in the faith of our fathers and mothers as we engage with your word. Jesus, maker of tables and teller of stories, create in us a new imagination, we pray, invoking us greater celebration, and grant to us new language with which to sow your eternal word into a tired world. Creator Spirit, you who moved over the darkness and gave the chaos form, inspire new songs of worship, disrupt our religious attitudes, Draw artists, prophets, and innovators from the peripheries of our communities right to the heart. In Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah. So today I'm going to be talking about uh, Sabbath. This was working a minute ago. Still like that? No? There we go. I'm going to be talking about Sabbath. So this is part three in the series. So we've been doing this kind of whole rule of life thing. So at the start of the year, um, we spoke about just the general rule of life, how good it is to have these kind of habits, these practices, these things that we intentionally... Uh, carve out time for in our lives to, to pursue a deepening relationship with, with God. Um, and, and Steve kind of brought that image of, of the, the trellis that a vine grows on. So a vine on a trellis, it can become more fruitful, more abundant, uh, just by having that structure in place. And so now we're doing this series about um, Sabbath as a specific item, uh, a specific practice in the world of life. And Steve's done about Sabbath as um, ceasing and then sabbath as rest and today i'm going to be talking about sabbath as delight um now sabbath is something that i've been really interested for years just the concept of sabbath those of you that know me way back when i've always had this kind of little thing about like the hebrew roots of everything and um so it was really weird for me actually to come up against this kind of sabbath as delight it's a really uh, quirky notion to me. I can get on board with ceasing and resting and all these other things. Sabbath is resistance to the, to the rat race of the world and all these things. But Sabbath has desi- kind of really really challenged me um, because I want to say so many things about Sabbath because obviously I'm that verbose person that wants to talk endlessly about things. Um, but just to really kind of hone in on Sabbath is delight. So deliberately today I haven't got any notes. I've got some slides and I've got the controller for the slides on my phone but I haven't got any notes because I don't want to kind of do this complicated, overly theological thing because I think that, that detracts from Sabbath as delight. So the way I've kind of conceived of this, running on from Sabbath is ceasing and Sabbath is resting, I've kind of thought about this as a garden makeover. Now because of the light in this room, you can't really see the before and after shots, but on the uh, right-hand side, my right-hand side, Um, It's like a garden that's just like a wreck. It's a tiny little pokey garden uh, and it's got like rubble in it. It's got like kind of random bushes and weeds and really poor like lawn and everything. Lots of cement. Then on the right hand side is this kind of beautiful garden where they've opened up the space. I don't know if you ever watch any of those Alan Titchmatch kind of shows where they kind of open up the space. They, They make the best of the light there is. They kind of orientate the garden. They give it a focus and a vision. They've got this kind of lovely gravel and some slabs and like nice little areas all over the, the garden to make the most of that small space. And the way I've conceived of this is that Sabbath as ceasing is like clearing the garbage out of the way. So you've got a space and it's full of junk. And so Sabbath as ceasing is like taking that pause and clearing the rubbish out of the way. And Sabbath is resting is about curating that space. So Sabbath as delighting is actually entering into that space and enjoying it and now this is quite a personal uh, image for me I'm not uh, as I've commented before I'm not really one who thinks in images I think in words amen Um, I think in words but this is something really personal to me so this image of Sabbath as delight as a garden makeover kind of really really resonated with me because Nick's been working on our garden for years Um, Something that's really precious to us are trees. We planted a tree for each of our daughters. So having, you know, in in our conservatory, we've even got a tree, like an indoor tree uh, for ourselves for our anniversary and all these things, these are all meaningful things. And the idea is, is that I sit, you know, i get up earlier than everybody else. I sit in that space, I open the curtains and I watch, I just look out on these trees, I meditate, you know, so um, Emma's got this like beautiful cherry blossom tree that's absolutely massive now. And we planted it like the week she was born and Sarah's got this olive tree. Um, and you know, this little olive tree, it was like really kind of thin and spindly and really, it looked really vulnerable when we first planted it. And then that first year, it kind of got battered by winds and everything. So it started to lean over we're like, is this tree gonna make it? And now it's thriving. It's huge, it's massive. It, we've actually had olives off it. And I feel like that's even symbolic of Sarah itself, this kind of thing that was really frail, and we wondered if it was ever going to make it, and now it's thriving, it's beautiful. You know, birds come and nest in the branches, you know, that biblical idea. So this idea of Sabbath as delight as a garden makeover, carving out space and then enjoying that space. Delight Sabbath. Sabbath as delight is enjoying that space we've carved out. Now what we've got to know is that Sabbath... Sometimes we can conceive it, especially if we're very familiar with the New Testament, about how the Pharisees treated Sabbath, we can think of Sabbath as a legalistic thing, as a burden <laughs> and not the blessing it's supposed to be. There's a guy called Rich Volodis who wrote a book called The Deeply Formed Life, which is a, a wonderful book. He's in Pete Scazzaro's church. So that's the emotional, healthy, spirituality guy. So they, they pass a church in, in uh, Queens, and it's quite a diverse neighbourhood, like quite inner-city type thing. And so he's walking on a, on, a, on a Saturday just through the streets and then all of a sudden a flustered man runs up to him. Sir, sir, you've got to help me. Thank goodness I've found someone. You've got to help me. My, my auntie, she's trapped on the top floor. And so all these high-rise kind of uh, blocks of living apartments and, and, and Rich, obviously he's a good guy. He's like, oh no, let me help you, let me help you. And so he's panicking. He's thinking, what on earth has gone on? Is this lady fallen over? Has she hurt herself? And so they dash up and the elevator's not working that they were trying to use so he runs all the way up all these stairs up to the top floor and the lady stood there like waiting and she's in her um, Saturday best and she stood there by the elevator and, he, and Rich is like really confused like what's going on, what's going on? I thought you were hurt, I thought this was an emergency and, and then the, the young man says oh no my auntie she's ready for the Sabbath service but she can't press the button for the elevator because it would be work so we had to get we had to get a goyim, a gentile to come and press the button for us and it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. That, that's kind of the thing that Sabbath isn't supposed to be. It isn't supposed to be a burden to you. And it's certainly not supposed to be an ethical burden on other people. It's supposed to liberate. It's supposed to bring life. It's supposed to overflow. Our practice of Sabbath should overflow from our lives, from that space in time that we've carved out into the rest of the week. It should overflow from the way we live our lives into the lives that are around us. i've wanted to squeeze this in so many sermons for so long um so anybody's familiar with mandalorian and i'm looking around the room and i'm probably thinking none of you but that's fine it's like my christopher nolan reference i'm going to force feed you star wars um so in the mandalorian basically this is um uh there's a parallels between the mandalorian and his clan and the jewish nation there's a really kind of rich theological vein in there i probably, i promise you, I'm not trying to force that to happen. This has kind of been talked about uh, quite a lot. But the Mandalorian clan in Star Wars, they have a very set amount of rules that they have to follow to be part of this people. Like one of the things is, is they're not allowed to remove their helmet. And whenever somebody kind of questions the, their observances of this, they say, this is the way. You might have seen memes about it on, on social media or something. They just say, This is the way. Um, they have to carry weapons. And so when he tries to board like an intergalactic flight and they're like, Can you take your weapons off you? he says, No, this is part of my identity. This is part of my religious observance. This is the way. And so, like, kind of, quite a lot of it is about how the Mandalorian clan interacts with the, the galaxy around them, their customs. Because they are a diaspora. They're spread throughout the galaxy. Their home planet was destroyed. And they're spread throughout the galaxy. So the only way they can maintain their identity is through these practices. And in Judaism, this is exactly the same thing. They call it halakha, which is quite a fun word to say. Most Jewish words are fun to say because they sound like you're about to spit. Um, I'll try not to do that for your sake, guys. Um, But halakha, it literally means the way. And so Sabbath is this identity-forming thing for the Jewish nation. Sabbath was never meant to be a legalism. It was never meant to be a burden. It was meant to be a blessing, and it was meant to be a continual reminder to them of who they are. So when, when you read about Sabbath, if you read in the Exodus, God tells the, 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 the Israelites, as they're fleeing Egypt, Egypt's a place where their, their existence was marked by their productivity, seven days a week they had to make bricks monotonous bricks the same thing over and over and their lives were valued by the number of bricks they would produce they had no identity other than their production that was all they knew their production and god rescues them out of that system and as a result of that he says look one day a week you're going to rest because i am the lord your god and i rested you are going to take one day a week to remind yourself that your life is not valued in the bricks that you produce but it's valued by me your creator you are to reorient your view of life around this single day that's going to re-story you it's going to give you your identity that single day you can do like the rest of the six days you might be valued in bricks but i want you to know your essence your Your existence isn't valued in bricks, and this one day is going to remind you of that. And then in Deuteronomy, when it recalls, like, you will practice Sabbath because you were once slaves in Egypt, but I have delivered you. So the practice of Sabbath is this identity thing. It's this thing that reminds them that we are not this, but we are this. This is the way. Halakha. Practice this thing because it re identifies you as who you are. You cease to be your production. You cease to identify yourself by what you do. Like how many people when you introduce yourself to somebody new? You either ask or get asked the question, what do you do? Hi, I'm Simon, I'm a data analyst. That's not who I am, is it? That's what I do for about 40 hours a week between Monday and Friday. That's not my identity, but but society as a whole is not that much different to Egypt. We still identify ourselves by our production. By what we can churn and wring out of the hours of our life, that's how we identify ourselves. But Sabbath is this thing that re-identifies you as someone precious. You are not responsible for sustaining yourself, that's God's job. He is the Creator and He rested. So with all that said and done, let's talk about Sabbath as delight or not. There we go. So the the idea of Sabbath as Delight. So this comes from John Mark Comer's course on rules of life. I don't know if you're familiar with John Mark Comer. 100% recommend uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I never thought I'd like that book, but I absolutely loved it. Stephen Matt pretty much like pinned me down and forced me to read it. Uh, It's an amazing book. He's got a tremendous uh, way of communicating. Um, Not to kind of disparage him too much, but he's like a new Rob Bell. He writes like Rob Bell in those kind of three-word sentences and like two-sentence paragraphs and stuff like that. Um, Very like quirky, but beautifully beautifully communicates this this essence of kind of slowing down and taking Sabbath. But he has a course online, and, and the first kind of module of it is Cease, the next one's Rest, the next one's Delight, and the fourth one's Worship. And it's really hard for me not to spill over into the worship element today, by the way. Um, so, I'm pretty sure that where they get the idea of Sabbath is the light comes from Isaiah 58. Now, if you're doing the uh, church Bible readings, you'll have just read Isaiah 58. And if you're not doing it, why not? No condemnation, but just a tiny bit. Um, and so, Isaiah 58 is this wonderful passage, you'll remember it because it's the one that says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness. Why do you go without food, but you don't love your neighbour well? So uh, Yahweh is challenging the nation of Israel about their religious observance. And so at the end of the chapter, it comes to this about Sabbath. If you hold back your foot on Shabbat, from pursuing your own delight on my holy day. If you call Shabbat a delight, Adonai's holy day worth honoring, then honor it by not doing your usual things or pursuing your interests or speaking about them. If you do, you will find delight in Adonai and I'll make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your ancestor, Yaakov, for the mouth of Adonai has spoken." Now this is from a Jewish translation. This is the complete Jewish Bible translation. Um, and I chose it especially because of the poetry. Um, Western, kind of modern translations are are very wooden in how they try and translate Hebrew poetry. But Hebrew poetry is very rich. Um, You'll hear me banging about this quite a lot. But uh, just to call to your attention right now, the amount of times it says delight, and it contrasts your delight with the delight in Shabbat, and then it leads to delight in Yahweh. So this is kind of cadence of words that keep flowing. And there's this honor and honor thing going on in there. Now, so we'll come back to that in a minute. <clears throat> but let's talk about this being the way. Because the thing is, uh, when, we talk, when Isaiah 58 talks about don't pursue your own interests, but pursue the interests of Yahweh, this isn't talking to regular people. This isn't saying Luke shouldn't go and watch Coventry City play in the playoffs. This is calling a nation back. So, Israel is a nation. They've strayed from the path. The whole run of Isaiah is, is that the nation of Israel has is run after other gods. They've sought to become like other nations. Yahweh called Israel out of Egypt to be a peculiar nation with peculiar practices that look nothing like the rest of the world. He even started them out with no king. And he warned them in Deuteronomy if you get a king, you're going to end up being like all the other nations around you. And then in in samuel you know like the israelites like cry out so much that yahweh says fine if that's what you want you can have a king and lo and behold they become like of the nation. so even when it starts talking about solomon who we all are led to believe is this great guy they start injecting these little phrases like and he started to gather chariots he started to gather horses he started to trade in chariots so really that's like he started to accumulate tanks And he started to deal in weapons of mass destruction. And in Deuteronomy, it says, don't gather to yourself, chariots, because that's starting to say to the world around you that you're wanting to protect yourself. You're wanting to enter the world's political stage and engage on that level. Instead, I want you to be protected by me. This is what Yahweh says. But instead, Israel goes that way. They start to trade and make alliances. They start to take on the gods and beliefs of other nations. <gasps> Look how successful they are. Look at Egypt and all the gold. Maybe Yahweh's not, not the God we thought he was because we haven't got all that stuff. So let's maybe like, we'll, we'll keep Yahweh sweet by doing the fasts. We'll still celebrate these various days. We'll still keep Shabbat, kinda. But we'll also, maybe we'll have a little bit of praise for Ra. Maybe, well look at the Assyrians, they're really successful. So maybe we'll have like, on these high places, not not in Jerusalem, but just on these high places, maybe we'll have some altars there. And maybe in this valley, just in case, because you know, we want to keep Dagon sweet as well, because they did alright, you know, the Philistines. So maybe in this valley, we'll we'll have some fires for Molech. And we'll just sacrifice a few kids you know the really unruly ones that we don't like very much oh and look at the babylonians they're doing pretty well let's let's take a bit of their gods as well and you know this because you've read isaiah you've read jeremiah you know the tirades that god has about you have gone away from me you who were supposed to be my bride you have betrayed me you've been unfaithful and we just think oh man that's 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 just like a prophet being a bit angry But no, like, Yahweh has been absolutely betrayed. And Isaiah, you know, 56, 57, 58 is all about God calling out the nation of Israel. Look, it's gone wrong for you. You've tried to compete with other nations, but you are a speck of a nation. Of course you were going to get conquered and taken into exile. What did you think was going to happen? You were like the Luxembourg of the day. You're nothing. You're just swamped by the nations around you. You're going to speak the same languages as them. You're going to do exactly the same as them. You're barely a country. The thing that set you apart was your worship for me. And so Yahweh said to them, look, I don't want to be mad with you. I want you back as my, my chosen people. Start practicing things properly and becoming the unique people. Stop trying to compete with everybody else in their ways of doing things. And just do my way, the Halakha. This is the way. Mandalorian, Star Wars, important. And so he says, practice Sabbath properly. Don't be going and doing the things you want because the things that they wanted to do is, let's make money. How can we get richer? If only Sabbath could finish quicker, let's figure out a way that we could work around Sabbath so we could still be earning money, so we could still be exploiting people, so that we could still, you know, because we're supposed to, we've got this thing, well, we've got, you know, we've got our Sabbath service, but we need to go, you know, and check in on Dagon. We need to go check in on Ra. We need to go and serve Moloch. And they always say, no. Hold back your foot from doing the things that you want to do. Because they are completely antithetical to what you are supposed to be doing as my chosen people. So it's not saying Luke can't go and watch Sky Blues today. What it is saying is, this nation of Israel was in such dire straits. That God was saying, you need to stop that stuff. You've lost your way completely. You have no longer got an identity that I carved out for you. Sabbath, as a day of rest, as a day of abstaining from toil, is not for the purpose of recovering one's lost strength and becoming fit for forthcoming labour. The Sabbath day is a day for the sake of life. Man is not a beast of burden, and the Sabbath is not for the purpose of enhancing your efficiency of work. See, the thing is, is when you cease to do the things that the way the world does things, when you truly cease, Sabbath becomes about something completely different. But if you don't truly cease... Sabbath is going to be still contained and framed by the ways of the world now I've heard so many people talk about Sabbath as this rhythm of life well we've got this rhythm of six and one and the one day gives you the strength to do the six better has anybody heard it spoken about like that so you have this one day of rest and you just recharge your batteries so you can go and do work even harder You'll be more impressive for your employers because you'll have had this beautiful 24 hours of rest. If you're in a creative profession, well, you'll be more creative and you'll do your job better and you'll get promotions and you'll have more money and you'll be able to spend it on more things. That's not the point of Sabbath. The point of Sabbath is to cease from all of that. It's not about becoming more efficient for the other six days. Sabbath is not about becoming better at doing bricks. It's not about convincing yourself or the world around you Actually, Egyptian pharaoh, you know, if you just gave us a day off, our production rates would go through the roof the other six days. That's still adhering to the ways of the world. You're just adhering to their system and bending Sabbath to be what it is. And that's exactly what the nation of Israel was doing. And that's what God is calling them away from. He's calling them into life. He's calling them into blessing. He's not calling them into burden or being more efficient at bearing burdens during the week. A payoff of Sabbath is if you're well-rested, you can navigate the other six days of the week a lot better, but that's never the focus. That's just a happy outcome. Sabbath is all about delight. And all of my highlights have gone in this formatting. (laughs) So I want to draw your attention to this really cool thing. Hold back your foot from pursuing your own delights. On my holy day, remembering that their delights were the delights of the world around them. With these inhumane antithetical practices now if you read like walter bruggeman or something what you realize is that everything that israel is commanded to do is all about this ethical thing about how you treat other people and it's the same with sabbath if you read about sabbath in deuteronomy it says you don't work your animals don't work your slaves don't work nobody works no foreigner in your land will work on a sabbath because the problem is is for the six days, and everybody's earning and working and producing, that stratifies society. What you do in six days sets people apart. Because there are some people at the top of the chain and there are some people at the bottom. And the six days proves it. Because you have your, your people at the top who are making the money, who are making the decisions. You have the people at the bottom. And that's what they do for six days. But there's going to be one day when you all rest. You wouldn't know a CEO from... Um, I don't know I don't want to disparage any profession but you wouldn't know somebody from the top of the food chain from the bottom of the food chain because you're all resting foreigner doesn't matter you're all included in the rest of God hold back your foot from pursuing delight on my holy day if you call Shabbat a delight and then skipping on then you will find delight in Adonai the things that you take delight in the things that you fill your time in, shape how you view God and that shapes how you view of the people, which shapes how you live life. And there's this is wonderful bit here. I'll make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Yaakov or Jacob. That's a callback. That's an exact quote from Deuteronomy when it talks about how God delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt. If you take delight in this, if you enjoy this. You'll learn to enjoy Yahweh. And then you will learn to enjoy the deliverance of Yahweh, the blessings of Yahweh, the miracles of Yahweh. But if you continue to delight in this other thing, then you're going to miss. It doesn't stop the wonders of Yahweh. It doesn't stop the miracles, but you're going to miss them happening. Because you are not going to be observing what's going on. For example, we've had a garden at the back of our house since we moved in. It's not a brand new thing. We've had birds coming into the back of our, into our garden since we've moved in. We've had flowers and weeds and whatever else in there. Like obviously it's a lot prettier now and it's a lot more uh, curated. But I've always, always had it. I've never been interested in those things. And now every morning I sit and watch these birds come to these feeders and I just feel God reminding me again and again and again and again of the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry. These birds are fed. I look after you. Are you not worth more than these sparrows? That miracle was happening every single day. It happens every single day, no matter where you are. Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? Not until I started taking delight in it. And because I started taking delight in that, then I started to take delight in God. And I started to notice more delightful things. The delights we have shape us. I to coax this. Uh, Nope. I bet you're curious now as to what Emma and pigeons means, don't you? The other thing is this. It talks about honouring. So it talks about delight. What you delight in shapes how you delight in God, which shapes how you perceive the world around you. Kavod, I love this word. If you've ever heard Rob Bell talk about this, it's really fun. Had a nice holy day. Is it worth honouring? And if it is, then honour it now the word honor we don't bow down to the sabbath day although actually some jewish practices welcome the sabbath as a queen so there is a little bit of bowing and a little bit of ceremony about it but the word there for honor and honoring is this wonderful word kavod so say it with me you have to say it like a big rabbi with a huge beard and a big hat kavod it's fun come on kavod and it literally means weightiness. So kind of if you've been kicking around in kind of charismatic circles for any amount of time, you'll have heard about the Shekinah and you'll have heard about the Kavad of God, the weightiness of the presence of God. Now, English doesn't really have a great translation for this. We talk about honour, which seems a little bit stuffy. Um, but you know when you meet someone that's really impressive without doing anything, you just feel their presence. See, this is where I'm supposed to like name drop about a really impressive person that I've met um but i won't but you you know what i mean don't don't you like somebody that just carries a certain weightiness around them we call it a weightiness we don't mean that they're like a particularly big person but what we mean is there's there's a there's something about them there's an ineffable thing about this person we often talk in those woolly terms don't we there was just something about that guy or that person you know that you know perhaps they're like uh, a, an elder person that's just really wise and you just want to listen to them you could listen to them for hours um oh, i remember actually i am going to name drop i remember going to a service with um, john arnott in in dudley so john arnott of like kind of the toronto airport church fame and regardless of what you think about that i just remember like him just walking past and it was almost like you could see the love of god in his eyes it was just like all of a sudden everything was okay just when you were near that person? Kavad. Sabbath is full of this weightiness. It's full of this thing, this ineffable 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 presence that's worth paying attention to. That's worth just like being silent and soaking in. Now, that really kind of ties in with that idea of delight, right? There's this kind of weightiness to the Sabbath. That as you enter in, if you really observe that weightiness, then there's something amazing to be found there. So, Sabbath as delight. So, what we've talked a lot, we've kind of gone quite far around to get to the point of Sabbath being a delight. What do we actually mean when we talk about delighting in Sabbath? Now, I was thinking about this, and again... I was kind of, you know, I've been reading um, a lot of Abraham Joshua Heschel, so he's this, this um, really brilliant rabbi, you know, who walked with Martin Luther King and stuff, and really quite a famous guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. And then I went to town with Emma. And I thought this was far a better way to go. So we went to town with Emma. She had some birthday money and she wanted to buy some random thing from Primark. So we're walking across town, you know, where the Lady Godiva statue is. And honestly, like, Emma delights in pigeons. I kid you not, these are photographs. So Emma got a phone for her birthday, which I'm still not easy about. This is what she did with her phone. There's a video, there's a five minute video of Emma just filming pigeons and offering this kind of David Attenborough-like commentary on these pigeons. And so she's walking through that area of town in front of the Cathedral Lane, just fascinated by the pigeons. And this isn't a one-time thing. Every time we go to town, there's this huge detour and distraction. And you can tell that it's something that I enjoy a lot. But kind of actually what really brought me up short, because I was thinking about this idea of Sabbath is delight. And actually, it was just really fascinating to watch Emma and pigeons. Because she'd, she'd be like talking about them. She'd be making observations about them. She'd be taking photos of them. She'd be wandering around as if this was the greatest thing that has ever been discovered pigeons are the most amazing thing that anybody's ever seen as if you know like we're seeing some rare animal but these are like pretty much just pests in the middle of town right they're rats with wings but Emma delights in them and it was just beautiful to see because what everybody else walked past what everybody else shoes away what nobody else noticed Emma did And there was so much delight in her. She paid attention to the weightiness of the moment. She discovered life where nobody else could even be bothered to see it. She had eyes to see the miraculous that God was doing all along. She gives them names. She she narrates stories about them. And you know what the crazy thing is, right? There's a pigeon in town with no feet. And it has stumps for feet, right? And it's probably like one pigeon in the whole of town. And I kid you not, Emma knows exactly where that pigeon is at any given time. And we found it. We were walking in and She's she like, oh, I hope we see Stumpy. She's got a name for it, Stumpy. I hope we see him. And it's like, what are the chances of seeing a specific pigeon in town? And we flipping well did, because she paid attention. Delight looks like Emma and pigeons. She took the time to pay attention, to revel in it, to enjoy it for everything that it could be. And the thing is, is everybody else walked past, and probably thought Emma was a little nuts, and probably thought I was like a deranged parent, like following after, just laughing. But she found delight in something, and that's what Sabbath delight is. It's going to delight is like me and technology. Come on. Okay. This. This is Abraham Joshua Heschel again. I had to squeeze him in somewhere. This is one of the goals of the Jewish way of living. The Halakha. This is the way. The Mandalorian Star Wars. Star Wars is important. To experience commonplace deeds as spiritual adventures. To feel the hidden love and wisdom in all things. That is delight. And that is Emma and pigeons. To see... And experience commonplace things is spiritual adventures to feel the hidden love and wisdom in all such things Sabbath as delight It's about cultivating eyes to see and ears to hear to find the hidden love in everything and you notice that it doesn't just retain on one day you can inevitably feel that spilling over into every single day of your week into everything that you say and do and be on the other six days is shaped by how you practice the Sabbath. So then, I'm coming to to the end now. What are the things that lead us to delight in God? (coughs) See, that was supposed to be a really slick transition. No. I think God does this to humble me, you know, like Paul had a thorn in the flesh. It's me and technology. Paul's thorn in the flesh was presentations. If you call Sabbath a delight, you'll find delight in God. So what is it that leads us to delight in God? Now, we need to pause there because what we don't want to start emphasizing is Sabbath becoming like this dour drudge of a day. Oh well, to delight in God, I need to really get to grips with the book of Isaiah or I need to read Hebrew sages like Simon or I need to watch Star Wars. You do need to watch Star Wars. But that's not because of Sabbath, that's just because it's awesome. And that's not the point what leads you to delight in God now what delighted me in God when I was walking across town with Emma was her delight in pigeons there's nothing inherently spiritual about that at all but as I delighted in what Emma was delighting in I found delight in God remember don't delight in what you delight in but delight in these things and then you delight in God and then you experience God more fully so what opens your eyes to wonder What makes you, what have you glossed over? What have you passed over? What have you not paid attention to that actually this is delightful? Could it be just sparrows? Two different types of sparrows. Did you know that? House sparrows and tree sparrows. Tree sparrows are a little bit smaller. I didn't know that until like yesterday because I saw two different sizes of sparrows. What is it that if you slowed down and took a day to cultivate and curate your relationship with God. Just to carve out that space. Not to exclude your family, lock yourself away with the Bible and feel like you have to read, you know, all of the major prophets or something. But what is it when you're spending time with your family that's gonna lead you to delight in God? What is it when you spend time doing anything that's gonna lead you to delight in God? Is it simply just taking a really deep breath? Like how often do you take a deep breath? And just really have a sense of life coursing through you. Something really simple. You see, because Sabbath is not about Sabbath, really. It's about who we are becoming as people. We want Sabbath to be another thing on our list of things to do. That's the thing I do on Saturday. Well, that's the thing I do between 6pm on Friday to 6pm on Saturday, or however you want to practice it. It's just another slot of time that we've squeezed into our calendar. But again, that's absolutely antithetical to what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is all about the question, what kind of people are we becoming? What kind of people was God trying to curate in the nation of Israel when he told them to do the Sabbath? It wasn't to curate a people that just put their feet upon Saturdays so that they're more efficient at bricks Sunday through Friday, right? It was actually not about them doing anything. It was about who they were becoming. What character was God trying, trying valiantly to get into Israel? Sabbath keeping changes our character. We will be irrevocably transformed by the commitment to a special day set aside for our relationship with God. And that transformation will result in thinking and attitudes and emotions consistent with the character of God. Here is the focus of our Sabbath keeping. Sabbath isn't about Sabbath. Sabbath is about God and who he's created us to be. And it's about rediscovering The God who calls us to that. So, I'm going to finish there with those questions, and it's deliberately open-ended, with a benediction. (laughs) May we delight in Sabbath, as Emma delights in pigeons. In Jesus' name, Amen.